You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Today's episode of the Tone Mob Podcast is again brought to you by the good people over at Third Power Amps. Third Power Amps, as you may know, if you listen to a couple episodes back, they sponsored the Ultimate Gear Giveaway. They chipped in a Wooly Coats Extra Chimey, which I got the pleasure of playing for a little while, but that's not the one I want to talk about today. I want to talk about their Citizen Gain CSR. Now, I haven't played this one in person, but I have to say, there's a like whisper quiet demo on there, just like using an iPhone to just just to show you how quiet the amp is, yet how massive it sounds. Go to their website. Uh, I'll put the link in the show notes. The whisper quiet demo of the Citizen Gain CSR is kind of mind blowing because it sounds absolutely enormous, yet you can talk over it. I don't understand how they did it, but kudos to Jamie and man, just go check it out and you know, see for yourself. It's incredible. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the ToneMob.com podcast, the show about guitar tone and people behind it. As you know, I'm your host, Blake Wyland, and with me today, I have another repeat guest, uh, somebody who was on the show one of the first episodes, what, like, mm-hmm. I can't remember, first four? It was definitely yeah. under ten. I want to say you were like episode... Ago. Yeah, I want to say you were episode four. That could be yeah, wrong, something but like it that. sounds right. I only know but, that because I was in a different apartment, and so yes. I remember living in a different place. I'm moving to a new apartment in two weeks, so, you know, yes. I hop around a lot. Yes, but his <laughs> name happens to be John Snyder from Creation Music Company. That Hello. That would be who we're talking to today. I am a person. He is a person. He has a business in the pedal and the gear industry, I should say, and yeah. I thought it would be a good time to get you back on the show because mm-hmm. you've had... A insane 2016 in the weirdest, craziest way. And there's all kinds of new things to talk about. But the first thing we should talk about is the fact that you ripped your pedal board apart today. (laughs) I'm sitting over a half-destroyed pedal board that took... uh, Well, hold on. Let me me tell you a really quick story about this pedal board. So Mm -hmm. I I think I was even on the show and I told you I didn't really have like a, a seriously good pedal board at one point. Yep. You're like, but you own a pedal board company. Mm-hmm. Well, I couldn't decide for, for forever. And so we went to Nam this past summer and we put on a really big display and it went really well. It was awesome. But uh, part of that was um, I wanted to have kind of like a demo uh, display board for the, for the booth. So I remember like, like a week or so before Nam. uh, uh, Bruce, who's my father, who runs the wood shop, was like, "You need to let me know what you want your board made out of, or it is not going to get done in time." So I finally like went to our supplier. I found a piece of wood that I liked. It ended up being a spalted zebra wood, and I got it. And he built it in time. But we literally soldered. We 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 were four hours late to when we wanted to leave for Nam because we were soldering all the cables for it that morning, and uh, I went and the next day after we set up the booth, I went and. Uh, that night, about 8.30, started wiring up the board and didn't finish it till 4.30 a.m. before NAM started the day of NAM. So, uh, yeah, it was definitely a long haul to get this board. And it's this crazy, intense 32 by 18 board with tons of pedals and a mastermind looper and all that stuff. And that was back in June. And here it is uh, December 1st, I think. And I'm tearing it apart because I am changing my mind again. And that's, that is life. Changing your mastermind. Specifically, uh, yeah, I well, there's a reason for that. I'm not really, <laughs> I wasn't really using it. Uh, I had it, and uh, I've had it for a while, and I got it. You're, I know you're going to tease me about this, and I know that's why you're setting me up for it, aren't you? Um, <laughs> no, I would never do this. Never, no, ever. of course not. No. Uh, for the listeners at home, Blake and I have gotten to know each other a whole lot better since last time, so we like to rip each other. Um, anyway. <laughs> I, I got the mastermind in hopes that I would it would actually force me to like you know be more prepared and all that stuff. And I got it, and I was trying to set it up and start using all the presets and, and create my own presets and all that. And uh, then I, I I I ended up just going to play and hadn't set anything up. 
and just put it in loops mode and it's been in loops mode ever since just being the world's most expensive true bypass looper and uh anyway if i'm not using it really that much and i'm not playing that much i'm like eh, i'll get another one later or something but um, i'm trying to secretly uh buy my wife some uh, christmas presents and of course she runs finances so uh to raise money for christmas gifts uh without her knowing i have to sell off things that she doesn't know i sold and put them in my paypal and use it as like an adult piggy bank so well you know it's God, you it's terrible that you mentioned that because I know for a fact she she's an avid listener to this show. She listens to every single uh, episode, and now nobody shares on she her knows. wall. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that would be horrible. <laughs> she has well, she she would know that I'm getting a gift, but she wouldn't know what it is. So that's true. Uh, that's true. It is true. So, uh, but yeah, no, I'm 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 ripping it apart. I think I'm gonna I'm not gonna get rid of this board because I might go to a bigger board again, and this one's too beautiful to get rid of. But um, I'm most likely going to downsize a little bit, sell off a couple other things, and be a mature adult, pay off some bills, and uh, and uh, buy her the... I'm trying to buy her a... Uh, well, actually, I won't say. Because uh, <laughs> I don't trust you. I don't trust you nothing. I'm like, oh, Sarah, this is what John said on the podcast. She probably wouldn't listen to it anyway, but... Yeah. Um, <laughs> you don't trust me. You trust me with the secret of the amps, but not the secret of your wife's presence. <laughs> this is true. Blake knew about a lot of stuff before it happened. Uh, you, you knew about the amps before we announced it. I think you... You, I don't think I told you the specifics, but I think I told you kind of the general idea of the new board before we, we, we launched it. So, I, I think I tell you a lot of stuff. You no, you, you didn't just tell me the general idea. You FaceTimed me the prototype. I did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I guess I did that. Um, whoops. Uh, oops. But hey, well, I my lips were sealed until until but that's just, the day. That's because you're such a good sounding board. You're good for feedback. Like, hey, what do you think about this? You think uh, you think people like it? <laughs> that's you know. So that's like become my uh, my de facto role in this industry for some people. It's like, what do you think about this? Like, yeah. I'm like, how am I the do? What do you think about this guy? But hey, I like it because I get to hear about all the secret cool stuff before. I everyone. I talk to you and I talk to uh, I, some people know him, Ben Walker. Um, a lot. You and him are kind of my go-tos for uh, uh, advice in the industry on like sounding boards. Or like, what if we did this and this? Ben helps me a lot with branding, and I talk to you a lot about product development. So that's a lot of fun. Um, it is both good, good. Both good dudes to get insight from. If you're a builder listening to this, uh, Blake and and Ben Walker. If you Ben Walker is great for t-shirts, especially, but graphic design. But you both are just awesome dudes to get help from. So anyway, oh, well, thank you. I actually oh, was just welcome. emailing Ben the other day. Uh, oh yeah, I need to get some T-shirts. So, well, that that thing I sent you right before the podcast tonight uh-huh. that that's Ben's handiwork. He's super I thought good so. That. Yeah, thought so. you thought so. It looks like it. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so. I only know that because I've been paying close attention and then also seeing some other stuff that he's that I knew he did. Just I probably wouldn't know no, but just because I've seen some of his work that I knew was his. I just mm-hmm. assumed. Plus, that one time you told good. me uh, you weren't any good at graphics. So, mm. yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> about graphic design, <laughs> I've had like four or five people all help me from like around the country with little projects. So it's like there's been very little continuity. It's like, oh, this person did this job thing, and this person did this thing, and uh, I know enough about graphic design to be dangerous. Like, I can take a logo and a photo and like place them. I like, like make the graphic in Photoshop and like place them where they go, add like a little a fade or a burst or something like that and brighten stuff up. And that's about it. Anything that's special effects or morphing shapes is not my forte. Uh, so. I am I am exactly right there with you. That's exactly uh-huh. where I land in graphic design land. I know what I like, but I can never seem to get there by myself. I, if- I know what I like when I see it. I don't like I'll have ideas and then I'll try and relay that to somebody what's in my head and they're they have no idea what i'm talking about like ben we've gone round and round sometimes not in a rude light way just like trying to find what i'm talking about and like he'll send me something like no that's completely different and then he'll send me another thing and i'm like that's ah, kind of something and we finally come to a happy medium and it's usually nothing like what i originally had in my head but he just showed me something that was better in the first place and i know that i like it so that works yeah the end product ends up being cool so that's 
that's that's a a big part of it. That's that's a weird thing about like graphic design is like I I do think you can get better at it like any skill, but I mm-hmm. truly believe that it's something that people just kind of have a knack for. Well, and it's hilarious to me how important it is. Um, not hilarious, but like it's it's odd to me how important it is. Like I understand it how why it's so important, but you know when I started a business, I was like, oh well, I know enough to do it, but like. When you have a website and you need to create a banner, like you can't have a sale or you can't do a promotion or you can't come out with a new product unless you have a way of telling people about it. And in this day, social media is all about photos and whatnot. You have to have some sort of graphic to share. You can't just like, you know, oh, I guess you could. You could just like type it in your notes on your app, screenshot it, and just throw it on Instagram. But, you know, if you want it to look professional, you've got to have something. So that's where I always get help. Yeah, yeah, me too. I I had I always try to get help with that stuff just because I know, I mean that's I mean that's kind of my philosophy for everything. It's like if I have an idea I want to develop, there's people pretty much you know who are better at it than I am. So go mm-hmm. find them and have them help make this thing be the best that it can be instead of just slonging it out myself and having it be mediocre. Whether it's graphic design or anything else, any product. Well, I- that really kind of defines what we've been doing a lot. Like that really describes a lot of what we've been doing lately as a company. So much of it for so long was all, um, you know, I'm still, you know, steering the ship, so to speak. But so much of it, I'm really fortunate to have gotten people here in house now um, that have so much good input. Like we've made so many little changes um, to like our product, to our, ca- our products, but like our, like our cases, for instance, um, the idea to put a second tier of foam in there so that it compresses on the lower level of pedals on an angle board, that wasn't my idea. That was that was Colin's idea. He's one of my employees, and he's a genius. Um, Colin and Jansen both are just, like, the best help possible. So you always have to be able to pull on other people's strengths. I think that's what, what really helps um, to run a successful business is, is knowing where, where, where other people are stronger than you. Yeah, it's a that's a huge part of it. It's kind of like that 80-20 rule is applies to some degree. It's like if you're not good at something, don't I mean, you should always try to improve, but at the same time, if you just keep like bashing your head against the wall on this one thing, but you're really really good at this other thing, maybe you should focus, you know, 80% on, of your efforts on, you know, the things that basically get 80% of the results and let somebody else handle the 20% that you just are no good at. It's kind of a yeah. That that's for, that's definitely you know a big chunk of it. But then on on the other side too, like the 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 other thing is sometimes it's stuff that it, you don't even know that you're bad at. It's not something you were bad at at all. It's just having a fresh perspective. Somebody seeing it from a new light. Like uh, like like for instance, we made the change for that riser on the cases. Like within like three or two or three weeks of Colin getting here, they're like, hey, what you know is there. A, what if we like did something to where the board didn't kind of wobble in there? I was like, yeah, I've always been thinking about that. I just never had the time to really sit down and make a solution. And I just kept going with it the way it was. And they're like, well, what if we just put like a, a full foam riser in there? I was like, well, let's look what that looks like. They did it. It looked great. We're like, yeah, let's do it from now on in all the cases because this is a thousand times better. And we should have been doing this a long time ago. And so it's just that news perspective. Sometimes people come in and they just see something differently than you ever did. And it wasn't that you had a weakness. It was just like, just fresh eyes, man. <clears throat> That's true. That's very, very mm-hmm. true. So let's, uh, let's, I mentioned that you had an, a crazy year. Um, mm-hmm. very. In more ways than one. So one, <laughs> one of the things that like everybody kind of knew about and probably oh. never really heard, at least in your voice, they've seen in your writing, your, your kind of, Take on what happened with the uh, the whole, uh, as it became known in the 60 Cycle group, the hashtag CC Desisti uh, situation. Mm-hmm. Um, There's another one that was kind of fun, Choo Choo or something like that. That was Oh yeah, Pedal Choo Choo. <laughs> yeah, I didn't say that. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I, said, uh, I said a lot on the Wamplers podcast too about it, but no, no one's really got a chance to actually talk to you about it in a public yep. way, so... You just kind of give a, I'll let you take the reins and you can kind of describe what happened from your perspective. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously most people can guess I'm not going to go into every single nitty gritty detail. Plus that would take forever anyway. But uh, first and foremost, like the big thing I want to, you know, that's important to say is that everything's fine. Like 
people for a long time were calling the shop even and like asking us what was going on and saying other things about other companies involved and we we're like you know it, it's okay um the bottom line is and i'm just gonna say this and 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 i do truly mean this um if i were in another company's position and i had a patent on something and i felt that what somebody was doing infringed upon it i would do the same thing probably uh you know i don't know i've not been in that position but you know you feel like you've put a lot of your your hard work into something, you feel like you have a way of protecting it. We never felt we did initially, um, and I don't. I won't go as far as it. We, you know, still do. We just agreed amicably the best solution was to go ahead and and, and cease production of our previous lines. Um, the big thing is like, it, it, it's it's okay basically. Um, we so so what happened was um, previous company mentioned uh, or previous company, uh, you know alluded to i should say uh sent us uh, had their lawyer send us a letter um what we learned because we had read this particular thing before and we didn't think there was ever an issue or ever reason to cha make changes i should say and what happened was what a lot of people don't realize is the current patent that you can look up on the internet is not the patent that was being enforced on us it is but we were having a re-examined Patent. And what that means is somebody a year ago challenged the said patent um, and uh, basically they, they challenged the patent and then it goes to the U.S. Patent Attorney's Office and they did it what's called ex parte, meaning they had no involvement in the challenge process. They put forward their money, they challenged it, and this is, you know, again, I, I don't know uh, this. This is what um, our, our, we had explained to us by an attorney is of what the history events are. So if, I've, if I'm saying something slightly wrong, I'm just getting it as close as I can remember. Um, but anyway, uh, they had a re-examination ex parte, which means somebody else challenged their patent. And then once they did, it went to the U.S. Patent Attorney Office, and they worked with this, this other company and the Patent Office to then figure out what is enforceable or not, because they had it challenged. And once that happened, they worked with them, and they said, okay, you can, the U.S. Patent Attorney, or Patent Office said, you can enforce this, 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 you can't enforce this. And they gave him a chance to rewrite it. And what we feel happened is the way that it was allowed to be rewritten then caused some, I'll say, gray area. Um, and what it really boiled down to is if there's, with, with, with patent law, if somebody actually sends you a lawsuit, and even if you defend it and win, you spent six figures to do that. And what it came to was we just, we weren't, ready to defend uh in court what we you know where our thing was and we had some conversations with this company and i had nothing but quote good things to say about them they're 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 genuinely good people and i have nothing against them i want to make that abundantly clear what happened what, what made it difficult and why i didn't comment on a lot of this is because initially we were just trying to explain what we were doing we were discontinuing a product and we were trying to do it in such a way just to basically we we, we explain to them, hey, we're going to cease. We want to sell them up until this date. Will you allow it? And they said, sure. We were waiting for some things to be drawn up. And we went ahead and announced that we were doing a sale, trying to move as many as we could. Um, and, and that was just business. We were just trying to sell what we could because if it took us a while to get a new product out to kind of replace it, we wanted to sell up as much as we could to kind of be prepared for that. And that's exactly what we did. We sold um, 201 pedal boards, I think, in 12 days. Um, but what happened was in us sharing that we were doing a sale and assisting or ceasing this uh, product, what happened was a lot of people assumed which company it was, which we never said publicly, and we weren't trying to. And then what happened was um, some people said certain things, and in an effort for me to try and, like, calm things down like hey we're not mad here we're just doing this and it's okay and there's no reason to have hard feelings toward this company what happened was i um uh people started saying some really hateful things and i said look yes it is in fact this company i, I said that on, a, on a, a thread somewhere and was trying to just you know keep it calm and it, it made a little thing things a little tense i should say on our end um so we just kind of stopped commenting on a lot of this stuff and just simply saying hey we're just continuing anything else we were just like not responding to because 
people started getting a little, I don't want to say out of hand because I understand it. Like they, they weren't trying to support us and we really appreciate that. Um, but at the same time, you know, there, there's no reason. We, this other company we found out was like getting some really nasty messages and hate mail on their, on their social and stuff like that. So um, anyway, long story short, we stopped selling the product. Everything's good. It got a little lean there, I should say, for a couple months because we um, we're a pedal we're mostly a pedalboard company. We didn't have a main line of pedalboards for about oh three months. <laughs> so right, you were just little, doing flatboards, right? We were just doing flatboards. We were doing accessories. We were coming out with a lot of accessories, and obviously those are things that were always on the docket. We were eventually going to release things like that. We thought they were really cool, like you know hardwood pick guards. Um, uh, Velcro overlays for another brand. Now the Velcro overlays we decided to release for this other brand um, be, as an accessory for their product, as well as uh, we're going to soon be releasing wooden face plates and stuff. But those actually came in the early design stage process of our boards, and we said, "Well, hey, if we're going to make them for our boards, couldn't we also make them for theirs?" And so we did, and um, so we did that. We came out with some different cable kits, and um, basically, yeah, we just tried to push out a lot of the ideas we had already had just to kind of keep sales going. You know, I've got employees that are on a payroll. We've got rent and stuff like that. We've got to just be a smart business. And so anyway, we sold a lot in August. We got a little lean and we, we just tried to come out with as much as we can the next couple months. And then finally, uh, we, we decided we were going to go forward with the current design. And originally we were going to do it slightly differently. And so then we had to go back and do a redesign. We met with our patent attorney and we met with the, the company that was helping us um, actually make this the, the unibody is what we're calling it for the new elevation series board and uh met with them made some changes and finally went through and and got it finalized and by then it was um mid mid to late november which is just a couple weeks ago and we had been talking to our attorney through the process and um she was thinking everything would be fine and but we went ahead and Brought it to her and had her look everything over, and she had met with her partners, and they agreed that the new board is for. And this is, you know, the things I don't want to want to get into the specifics, but you know, for specific reasons, our board does not uh, have anything that would in that would have a gray area even with this other patent. And we had some, uh, we had some things written on that. And uh, anyway, yeah, so she gave us the go ahead to release it, and so we did. We waited till we ha we had had her kind of sign off on it, so to speak, and put it out there and we're, we're actually really, I personally am really excited when I'll be honest, you know, when we first talked about doing uh, the board, the way we were doing it, um, the new one, we were, I was a little like, mm, I don't know, uh, because I, I've loved what we've done for so long. And, and I'm not just saying I like it now just for marketing. Like I genuinely, it wasn't until we finally got it in, got the powder coated unibody, put wooden ends on it that I looked at it and was like, man, that's way cooler than I thought. And we really, really, really liked it. And I started thinking about all the reasons why I think it's, it's I won't necessarily say better, but more, but has so many other pros that the previous boards didn't. There's more space underneath. It's a little bit lighter, actually. Um, the end panels are, I won't say modular, because they're not made to be just interchanged out often because they're done with wood screws, but they're replaceable. So later on, you decide you don't want a hardwood board anymore. You want a painted end, which aren't out yet. We'll get to those later. But or you want a Tolex wrapped end or something like that, or change out your whole I/O set. You can do that now and like get a new custom end panels made, but keep the same unibody. Well, I hope that giant jet flying over me that's shaking my building doesn't like throw off the recording. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I was can like, you hear that? Are you, being, are you being attacked right now? What's going on? We're being bombed. Um, yeah. uh, yeah. <laughs> they couldn't get you with the patent, and now they're gonna bomb headquarters. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Um, anyway, so yeah, we're, we're really excited about the new board. It's just, you know, it's, it's something like there's just a lot, a lot of the little, I won't say issues, but a lot of the little downsides to the previous design aren't in this. And we were able to keep so much of how we were doing it before the same, you know, pretty much the same slot layout, the same overall shape and design. Um, they're also like insanely strong, those turned down edges, which is one of the things that was insane, incredibly important to be able to make this happen, the way they fold down those ends. It makes the unibody 100% self-sufficient. Like even if you didn't have the end panels on it, um, it would, you could stand on it pretty much, uh, at least the 24125, I haven't 
have the larger models in the shop yet to test, but on the 24125 one, you can stand on it without the end panels, no problem. And it's just insanely strong. If you ever wanted to, I guess you could even go crazy, mod it, have somebody sandblast and repower code it for you if you wanted. Like, it's just the stuff we're going to be able to do with this insane. And we're still going to come out with like engravable uh, front plates for it. So that's going to be something we couldn't have done before. We could engrave the wood, but you know, Tolux, we were, we couldn't really do that. So now this one, like, we can do an entire like different front plate for it and um, and have engravable artwork and the Velcro overlays and all the different ins and outs. It's just, yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan of what we're doing now. I think it was a great move on our part as far as like the next step for us. Right. I was just, I was thinking about some of that too because you guys have that laser uh, mm -hmm. in-house now that you do love to do like as much as possible with for obvious mm -hmm. reasons. I was thinking, I don't know if this has been discussed or not, but it was like, the way this new, the new boards are, you could almost do like laser engraved, you know, front plates for people. Like if they mm -hmm. had some crazy idea, um, mm -hmm. I was just like, there's just so many possible, so many more options that are easier to implement with these new ones, and they yeah. look really cool as is. Yeah, I'll say this like so. The way we were doing our badges on the old boards is they're actually screwed into it, and uh, with aluminum, you can't really like screw a you know a little tiny screw into the aluminum you you know they could pre they could pre-cut a hole and you could kind of thread it in but that's not the most ideal thing so we were talking about in the early stages about maybe riveting the badge on and then uh, i'll say this there's a reason that the new badge um is going to be put on with tiny little um super uh, uh classy looking uh nuts and bolts there'll be a bolt on the back side and an itty bitty nut on the front side that goes through it. at least that's what we're uh, planning uh, we ordered them today actually uh -huh. but um and then you'll be able to remove them um because otherwise the badge would get in the way of putting on a unless we did a cutout which we could do but um would get in the way of, of putting on a front panel so the idea is now that we're doing amps and we're keeping all this uh flat work plastic in stock to do the the um we cut our own face plates for the amps uh, we can actually do like a plastic one. So like you could get white engraving into red and you could have a white faceplate for your pedal board and it's like big, you know, red um, graphic on the front all the way across the board if you want. You could do engraved wood and we could do all of them with that adhesive. We, the same adhesive we use um, for our, our um, laser toppers for volume pedals and stuff like that. You can uh, stick it onto the front of your board and that stuff sticks like crazy, insanely good. Um, you could do that and have all this custom artwork right there on the front of your board. And it's just something that's really unique to us. We're like, the, the options on this are just insanely cool. And we're so excited about it. But yeah, it's yeah. super cool. I was so jazzed to see them and see them come out. Mm -hmm. And like, cause you'd been hinting at them. And I was like, I kind of had a theory for what you were going to do. And well, it was close. It was close, the, but not exactly. In the, in the early stages of it, I honestly was afraid to like, I'll be, I, I mean, th this whole legal thing, like, that was new to me, man. I, I, I love what I do. I just want to sit back and just do it. I don't want to deal with a lot of businessy, crazy things. And that's what's great about this industry is it is kind of boutique-y and we're all kind of one, you know, there's people who disagree, obviously, but we're all big one, one big family for the most part. I can call up most people that I've met in the industry and be like, hey, what's up? And, you know, that's it. But, you know, the whole corporate-y, lawyer -y thing, that was new to me. So I wasn't sure what I could or couldn't say in the beginning because, you know, I, I don't know. We were just, just kind of blindsided by, um, I've never dealt with this before. What I, I have this idea, but do I tell people what if it gets out and what if it's a problem? Does that make things worse? Like, I, you know, it was just new. So, um, yeah. but I was excited to tell you what I could, but you know, I probably could have just told you the idea in the beginning, but anyway. well, that's okay. You, well, you gotta, you know, you gotta leave them guessing to some yeah. degree. I can't yeah. know everything about everyone. Oh, well, I almost do, but that's not you, the point. You know a lot. <laughs> Blake's become the man. He's like the secret back, like behind the scenes, you know, person guy. The only thing. reason that that happens is because yeah. I don't tell anybody anything, even though when I get people who are competing, who people are competing with each other, trying to drag secrets out. Like, people are always like, what's Wampler doing? I'm like, I'm not going to tell you what Brian's told me, or he's never going to tell me anything again. You you, you said something about some company or something, and you didn't say who, and I was like, well, who is it? And you're like, I can't say. And I was like, what are they doing? I can't tell you. And it was just like, the fact that you knew something, and I couldn't know it, was driving me nuts, because, like, I'm trustworthy. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, 
I just think it's funny how much stuff you know. And we have, we have the, the, the guys like me that talk to you, we have no idea what you know about this other company. For all we know, it's like Blake, Blake's just this giant, you know, safe of secrets in the industry. It, it sometimes feels that way. Well, and, it's, and it makes sense because, I mean, obviously, at least once a week, I, I sit down and I spend an hour with somebody in this form. Obviously, as you know, there's conversa- conversations that happen on either side of that. And then through that, for the people that like really click with me for whatever reason, we end up talking more and more often, and the conversations just naturally progress to that point with certain yeah. people. I don't well, know like, why. Yeah, we, you and I start talking. I don't know that's weekly, but we talk on a regular basis and just get talk about stuff. By the way, I just tried out this mute button on this app to cough. Did that work, or did you hear me cough? No, it totally worked. Ah, oh, sweet. I love technology. <laughs> All right. Anyway. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, um, what's next? What do you talk about next? What's what's? I don't even know where to go from here. We can talk about ants. <laughs> I want to talk about ants. That was exactly where I was going to go. Is I that where you're going? You, that was where I was going to go because that was another big deal. So you guys went from making pedal boards to now you have mm-hmm. amps too. So can you yeah. tell us like how that process came about and what made you want to go that way and then talk about the amps themselves? Yeah, it's 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 interesting. Like, it's not a big long story, but at the same time, like it's like a big deal. And so it's like, where do I start? Um, so we were um already building. Speak. I guess I can say it now because it's it's kind of out that we bought them. Um, we were already building speaker cabinets for Risen amps, and Risen is was two guys, Drew and Lucas, who were just awesome, amazing dudes, and. So we were already producing their speaker cabinets for them. We had done a couple runs, and um, basically Drew and I, uh, Drew Tooley and I, uh, got had gotten to be pretty good friends, and we talked on, on the regular. And um, so uh, it just kind of once the, the stuff happened with transitioning the company, like even I think it was just within a week of us finding, got getting the letter, and meeting with a lawyer and all that, like a week from the initial like news that that was going something that was going to happen. Um, what we were we were already talking about the possibility of that and it just kind of came up in conversation we were talking about stuff him and i and chatting and he mentioned that you know maybe it's something he would want to do and i was like well you know we're already building your cabs what if what if we were interested and from there it just kind of happened basically we came to a really awesome agreement that worked really well i think for both of us we were both super excited um uh and we the decision was made that drew was going to stay on as a uh, consultant because Drew is an electrical engineer. He's not. Um, he's not stupid. We'll put it that way. Um, he, he knows his stuff, and I am learning very quickly a lot about amplifiers. Obviously, I need to. I I now am running an amp company. It would be kind of foolish to have somebody running an amp company who doesn't know anything about amps. Um, but for at least in the the long term foreseeable future, Drew will be heavily involved because. He has intimate knowledge of these circuits. Um, but yeah, so we, we bought them out and we we talked for a while. We decided that we thought the best thing would be to go to ahead and rebrand them as creation amps and give them, I wanted to give them a whole new look. And I wanted to do that because I felt it was an opportunity, in my opinion, to do, to really show what I can do and really showcase what we're best known for. And that's, you know, woodworking and tolex wrapping and things like that you know cabinetry work and pedal boards is very 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 close to cabinetry which is why we do cabinets for other companies and so i wanted to put my if i didn't want to just buy a company and keep running it that i wanted to have something that i had invested into it and show what you know to people this is what i can do so i sat for a long time and we hadn't we didn't even announce it to people because we wanted to wait until we had a design. We were ready to move forward with it. Um, but I worked on the design of the amps, both for aesthetics as well as um, uh, sound. So uh, we worked on that for a while. We found a really insanely awesome way to do it. So um, the wood shop, my dad, who runs the wood shop, he builds the actual speaker enclosure. It's um, it's Baltic birch. It's finger jointed and sounds incredible. That's why most cabinet makers do that or dovetail joints. Um, with cabs, we just find finger joints are a little bit um, easier to do and work insanely well. So we do that. But anyway, it's, it's finger jointed Baltic birch. And so he builds this, the shell, as I call it. 
but the um, the the uh, rear baffle and the front baffle, the speaker baffle, and then the front like grill and, and, and fascia, um, those we cut 100% on the laser actually. Um, we and we do them in such a way that they fit into each other, and it's really cool. Um, so we cut the shapes, and then we we actually. <clears throat> One of the best things about having a laser is whenever we need a jig, we just go draw it out in the program and then we cut a jig. And we can do trial and error really fast to make adjustments and really dial in a jig within an hour or so. So we created a jig to route that piping line that goes around the illuminated light bulb. And so we cut it and then we hand it back to the wood shop and he sands it, rounds it over and routes the piping lines and all that stuff. And then it hands it back to us and then we wrap it, do the piping. Um, and I, I really like how the grill, something I really wanted to do is I wanted to have a really classic kind of retro look, but without looking too much one way, like still slightly modern, but also very retro just because I like that look and feel. But I also wanted to do it in a way that I really hadn't seen done. Um, obviously, you can look at anything and there's probably an amp company or, or a photo from 60 years ago or even 30 years ago that you hadn't seen. And so some, I won't say that they're 100% original just because I don't know, but I had not seen anybody do the exact design that we did. The, the piping around the light bulb, the, the grill cloth is very unique, and the reason we cut it on the laser is because I wanted to do it this way. The grill cloth is actually cut to the shape. Most people, when they do a grill cloth, um, the shape is formed by putting a toilet's fascia in front of it to kind of outline that shape, and the grill cloth itself is square. With ours, the speaker baffle is in place, which holds a speaker, and it has screws that go through and actually bolt into T-nuts on the, the grill cloth. The grill cloth is cut to a specific shape. It's rounded over, and then we actually wrap the grill cloth like we would Tolex. And it, what it does is by having that one rounded over on the outside, and then the Tolex fascia that's next to it rounded over on the inside, the two roundovers come together, and it looks like upholstery from like an old 50s diner's chair, which is... I drew a lot of inspiration from like old uh, 50s radios and old classic cars and diner chairs and upholstery from like classic cars. And I really wanted to pull a lot of that together. So, I mean, you look at it at first like, man, that's just really cool. But uh, there's a lot going on to it that I really tried to pull in from specific eras. And I think I, I think I, I think I did okay with that. I think um, I did what I was trying to do, to say, so to speak. And then, um, of course, the, the amp circuits are incredible i owned a risen beforehand which is why we bought them and so we didn't really change anything on that we, re we renamed uh, uh one of the amps and then we gave uh, but we didn't really rename it. it was called the r45 before so we just dropped the r and spelled it out and called it the 45 and that's the only one in the current line that's like vintage inspired it's uh uh the circuitry comes off of like a, an old jtm 45 inspired circuit and it has a lot of mods and changes made to it to make it both upgraded and then there's like an added master volume knob, um, which some people would say is a sin on a JTM 45 style amp, but we like it. <laughs> we, we like it. Uh, it works. It works surprisingly well, kind of taming it and, um, and actually giving you more flexibility to dial it in the way you want. Most people who don't like it are just purists who love that amp and think it was perfect, but you know, there's always ways to change and Anyway, so there's that, and then the, there's the Eclipse. The Eclipse is really cool. Um, it is a true stereo amp. Um, it is has two independent sides. Now, they share, um, they share part of the power section together, but they both have independent preamps, and um, they have two independent ins and outs, volume and tone on each side of the amp. And Now, you can run just one side if you want, as long as both sides are still sending a load. So if you have like a 212 cab, you can play through just one of the 12-inch speakers. Um, we, we do a cabinet that has a stereo cabinet that can either be run as a stereo cabinet or it has an input to plug in and it just runs the two speakers together. Um, but anyway, volume and tone separate and it's a single ended uh, circuit, which typically is like a champ style circuit, but champs usually run the 6v6 and this one runs uh, the 6L6. So it's a very unique sound. Um, it's a bit more beefy and it has just, I really like its clean tones. Like it is just money um it's I, I i don't know how to describe it other than it's like it's got a bit more beef and a bit more bite and a little less fuzz it's got a much better clean than a normal like champ would have champs when you get them to break up they're a bit fuzzy uh, and this one doesn't do that it um it's not quite as sputtery and whatnot it does get there if you really crank it but not the same way 
and it's just really unique. <clears throat> and then we have um, the whole Milano series. Um, the Milano is kind of our flagship line, and there's three amps within it. We have the Milano 15, 20, and the Milano 50, um, and they're unique. Um, so uh, the Milano 15 is an EL, uh, uh, EL 35, I'm going to say it wrong. Whichever is the smallest, I'm, I'm, I always get the EL84. EL84. Yeah, the EL84 mm -hmm. preamp, okay? And so it's mm -hmm. a 15 watt. The thing about the, the Milano that's unique, we first got it and we got the 15 first. Another, um, that's what Drew sent to us first to start messing with. And we really liked it, but it kind of broke up a little faster than I normally prefer for myself. Um, it's got kind of a voxy sound, of course, because it's an EL84. Um, but we were like, well, what if we threw like a master knob on this one? He's like, it won't work. And that's what's unique about the Milano series. When, when Drew explained this to us, how this thing, how the circuitry on this works is basically most amps, as any guitarist would know, is most amps get their overdrive from the preamp section. The way Drew wired the circuit originally, and this is a, a completely and totally original circuit, is it literally overloads the power amp section, which both gives a more unique character as far as you're hearing more of the character of the power amp section. So normally if an amp has a 12AX7 preamp, uh, you're, and it, it's the part that, that's uh, over, going into overdrive, you're still hearing the characteristics of the power amp section, but it's still 12AX7. Um, whereas this one, because you're, you're pushing the power amp section uh, in, into, you're pushing it harder, you're getting even more characteristics of the tube it is. So, but because of that, because you're pushing the power amp section so hard, a master knob wouldn't do you any good because it's, it would still be pushing it post master. Um, so that's what's so unique about them. And w so that one broke up a that's, little faster. So I'm just curious, that sounds really interesting. So does uh -huh. it, <clears throat> let me see if I can process this. So does it actually uh -huh. have like a lower, I'm not trying to, I don't know. I'm not a, a circuit guy, so I'm, I'm trying to wrap my head around this. So does it actually have like a lower input headroom or a higher it input had, headroom? So it has two preamps. Um, it has your standard, which is in uh, 12AX7, and then it has an EF86 preamp section, and each of them are independent. Um, uh, uh, so the, the, the standard size, 12AX7 side, um, it has uh, high, mid, and low uh, EQ, and then the, the volume, the EF86 side has just volume and tone. Um, and each of those have two inputs, the top input being a high and the bottom input being a low. So you do have some uh, flexibility with that. But so that's the thing. That amp breaks up a bit quicker. It's a, your typical lower wattage kind of rock and roll amp. You can get some good cleans out of it. Don't get me wrong. Not by any means. I would, if somebody wanted an amp that had some great cleans, you can still do it with that. Um, it's going to have a bit more of that boxy, throaty sound. And that's, that's the thing about it. Like, there's so much more characteristic of the power amp section. So when somebody says a, like a Vox or Marshall style amp is more throaty, you're, you, yeah, you hear that totally. You play that versus a Fender, it's, it's more throaty for sure. With this one, you're hearing even more throatiness. And that's what was kind of throwing me off because I wasn't prepared for what I was listening to. And now that I know what it's doing, I, I love it. It's just, it's for what it does, it's amazing. But let me so let me get to the other two real quick because they're they're my favorites. Um, okay. The Milano the Milano twenty and the Milano fifty are very similar amps. Um, the difference obviously being six V six and six L six tubes. Six V six is the Milano twenty. Six L six is the Milano fifty. And the Milano twenty same story. You're overloading the power amp section, and that's where your drive is coming from. But because it's that kind of six V six, you know, compressed, clean, sparkly sound. It's not like the Milano 15 where you're getting that throaty, more gainy sound. So you're getting cleans. Now, the 20 obviously breaks up sooner than the 50. And so that's why everybody that's ever played the Milano 50 is like immediately sold. And, and again, same thing with the 20. You just get, don't get there as quickly. Um, the Milano 50, though, is our flagship amp, flagship amp for this reason. It is the best pedal platform I have ever heard in my life. And I have played a lot of amps. Now... I am not some guitar god. I'm not some guy that's going to sit there and play chops and impress you, but I know what I'm hearing, and I've had a lot of people that are you know, insane guitar players play it, and I just love to watch their faces because I know what it is now. And it's funny because Drew is that way 
explaining it to me and I wasn't quite sure I was ready for it. And the, the moment we got it in the shop and we plugged it in, I was in the break room by myself and I plugged it in, which it was our kind of like our demo room at the time. And I plugged it in and I played it and Colin and Jansen both just like stopped what they were doing and like came in the break room and started playing it. And they're like, what is that? I'm like, that's the 50. And they're like, whoa. Uh, because it's got a lot of low end. It's got a really full sound. Um, but it's like, it's, it's so much, but at the same time, it's not too much of anything. It is like this amazing hits you in the chest, perfect clean that I, you know, I thought you had to have like a twin reverb or something to get. Um, and it, the thing about it is amps, uh, wattage is kind of like horsepower. You know, you take two cars, uh, you take a, you know, a Dodge Charger and a Ford Fiesta, and they're both going down the road at 45 miles an hour and they're both going and they're handling 45 miles, miles an hour just fine. But, you know, you send them both at 90 miles an hour and the one car is cruising and the other car is having a hard time keeping up. And that's where this, this is. But the best part about the Milano is that it stays, you, it still has this amazing tube sound even at low volumes. And, you know, the last time I played such a high wattage amp, I swore them off for good. I was like, I'm always going to be lower wattage because uh, I had a Hot Rod DeVille. And a Hot Rod DeVille, you turn off past two, as anyone knows who's played one, and it's like ear-piercingly loud. Whereas this one, even though it's a 50-watt amp, you can still get amazing tones at low volume. And that's why it's like, that is my new like amp of choice, period. Um, the other thing I like about it, what I was saying about like horsepower is, immediately, I stopped liking my other amp. I, I have a Blues Junior that I play often, and I, I love it for what it is, but I like to stack overdrives. And I, I'm a bit more, I like to stack a little bit more heavy overdrives. I'm not all about transparent drives. I have a Timmy, but I also have a little Samson on my board for a reason because it's a rock and roll pedal and I like it. And when you start stacking overdrives on something like a Blues Junior, it starts getting a bit muddy and it's because it's a lower wattage amp and you're pushing it harder than it can handle. Whereas the Milano 50, you can throw anything you want at it and it just, it just takes it like a champ. You can stack drives with delays and reverbs and it just doesn't sound like mud. It's just this amazing, brilliant clean that is so warm and so, of course, I'm the owner of the company, so I feel like I'm just like, whatever. But it's it, seriously, in my opinion, <laughs> it's just it's just perfect. It's just so bloody perfect. Um, anyway. You sound like you might be a little bit excited about it. You know, I, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I, it's funny because, you know, I'm, I always try and like be, you know, fair and like humble and all that stuff. But like, I'm, I'm freaking excited about these amps. They're amazing. I'm so stoked about them because, dude, like for the longest time we've built accessories that have nothing to do with tone. And now all of a sudden we've entered in a whole new world and yeah, they're, they're expensive because they're hand-wired two amps built in America, but they are so worth every penny. They're, they're so amazing. And I don't know that you can, I don't know. It's just, it's just so, ugh. I love walking into our, we've, we've, since we have this new amp line, we've like, we're starting to slowly create an actual demo room. We cleared out what used to be my front office and we've moved out across the shop somewhere else. And so that, that new front room is like becoming the demo room. So I love to just like, want to have a few minutes here at the shop, go in there, grab a guitar off the wall or off the rack and don't even play with pedals. Just, just crank it. Just turn that thing up, and it is just choice rock and roll tones when you really crank it all the way. And if you want a little bit more gain, the EF86 side on high is just money. But then at the same time, you want that brilliant clean and throwing crazy ambient pedals at it, you can't. And it's just, I don't know, I get excited about this amp because it's its so new to us. Like, you know, it's not like I'm talking about something that I've been selling for five or ten years at this point. I, I bought the company in August. I think we, re, we released uh, amps in either September or early October. I forget the date, but I think it was like October. We re officially released amps. And, that uh, sounds oh, and, right, yeah. And, well, and another example of this is, for instance, um, uh, so I play mostly at church, and uh, our worship leader had been talking to us about buying one of these for the church. They had a, a well, Our stage got flooded not too long ago from the fire alarm system, and so they were getting a bunch of new gear for the church for the assurance money, and um, they were replacing, uh, I think a Vox AC30 and they have a Fender Hot Rod DeVille. And, uh, anyway, so I had somebody else stop by the shop and I had him play through my big board, which I did just tear apart. Um, and he was playing some really cool stuff on it. Well, my worship leader, um, his, his dad has a shop across the, the parking lot from us. And so I told the guy that was here testing out the amp, he's a friend of mine to really crank it, let him have, let it have it. 
And so he did. And all of a sudden, my worship leader walks in because he was across the parking lot at his dad's shop. And he goes, what is that? And I said, that's the amp I was telling you about. And he goes, all right, we're buying one. And he did. Like a week later, I they, they ordered the amp because it sounds so good. And that's the thing. Like it's they're not Risen wasn't a crazy well-known brand. And that's what we're trying to do is um, starting in January, we're going to be really, really having a big push for these because they're amazing. But you know, we've been going obviously through a transition stage, and now now that things are kind of starting to settle down for us, you're, we're gonna your people are gonna see a much bigger push on us for the amp because I do believe in them. I think they're they're some of the best amps out there, really. Drew right. did a and good I, job designing them. Yeah, yeah, and I I mean I know you two well enough at this point. It's like if they weren't if they, if they were like just okay, you mm-hmm. probably wouldn't have bought the company. Like, no. like you wouldn't have no. even made made the deal. It would have been just, yeah, these are yeah, yeah Drew. These we make your cabinets, and these are wonderful. Well, um, I was a customer first. Remember that too. I have a Claymore, which is another amp that's not currently released. We we chose not to release that one right away. I wanted to make some changes with it and and retool it. Um, but you know, I had a Claymore before I ever even talked about buying the. I had Claymore before we started building cabs for them. So like I I you know ponied up and and spent the money to buy one. Uh, before I ever talked about buying it, so I'm definitely believer in it. So, right. anyway, and I can I can definitely understand and relate to that. That makes uh-huh. that makes sense when you yeah. you know, I mean, you know, uh, I've owned a Benson for a long time, and I mm-hmm. bought it before Chris was actually full time, you know, doing it and like mm-hmm. growing the way he was. And it's just like I I can really relate to, like if he was like. You want to buy this company, and I could somehow swing it. I'd sure be interested because I really believe in the product. So I, mm-hmm. I can, I can kind of relate to what you're saying with that. I, I would not at all be upset about owning a Benson. That's a great amp company. Yeah, sure. Chris, Chris is a great dude. I think you dig him. They're they're uh, totally different. Animals. Oh, I met him. I met him. At, I met him at Nam earlier this year in person. We oh, that's talked. Right. Yeah, he's a great, dude. I, mm-hmm. I like him a lot. Um, yeah, and that and that's the other thing too is um, there's a lot of amp companies out there. Obviously, I think Reverb even put out an article about are we in the golden age of amps, and I think we are. Um, there's more. I think there's more amp companies now than there's ever been, and I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's a good thing because there's a lot of digital stuff coming out, a lot more people switching to you know Helix and and Axe Effects and Kempers, and that's fine. Um, but I think there's still something to be said about that. You know, true analog rich tube saturation and that's why there's so many amp companies and i i'm excited to get really in it and and continue to have the amp industry continue to grow like i want to do our part to keep growing that because i just it's so freaking cool dude yeah exactly and i didn't i didn't touch on on the podcast i know i told you but i really do think they look amazing as well i think you guys wow crushed it with uh with all that the first time there again it was another hey facetime tell me what the, what you think of this and i was like <laughs> i was like all right and i i when people do that believe it or not i do legitimately try to look for problems because mm-hmm. um, i i mean i get pictures and stuff like that i, I i'm like okay i really like this guy but let's pretend that i don't know him and i i need to find something i don't like about this because I want to help make it as good as I can. If somebody's asking my opinion, that is flattering, and I want to actually help them. So you but looked at you our s- amps and said they're complete garbage. I did, and that's why you redesigned them all according to my specs. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, Blake designed right? these amps. I, I'm I'm caught here on on <laughs> audio. Blake designed the amps. I'm just kidding. I uh, no. I just went. I love everything about that. Yeah. You 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 asked me like, oh, what do you think? Is it what is it? this or that i'm like no i love it it looks fantastic so yeah you guys well, did a great me. job well and that's what I, I like so much about you is is even when you say you like something i know that you're being honest because you've told me that ah, oh, what if you do this instead and you know well usually if i'm sending it to you it's new and you usually like it anyway but there have been times where you're like yeah maybe you do this instead or you, you have a very nice way of saying it. well what if you did this <laughs> but that's that's what I like about you is you're, you're going to be honest with me. So when you say I think you've got a winner on both the amps and the boards, I was really excited because it's like all right, that you're you're kind of like my um what do they what do they call those like when you have a group of people um testing a product or, or getting the feedback for a product what do they call oh that? wait uh uh whatever <sighs> blinking all of a sudden yeah a focus you're my, group. Yeah, you're my focus group of one. Um, <laughs> of one guy. So. And my opinion, it, it will dictate the way the entire industry goes. So if you don't yes. like it, guys, that's 
that's your problem. You're exactly. wrong. That's how it goes. Uh-huh. <laughs> but well, we're getting so down say... to really, really close to crunch time, and okay. there's a there's a, a one you kind of have you went through a good uh, a good. Uh, I'm long winded. Overview. I know it. <laughs> I think you covered everything that I can think of. But is there anything else? Like, where can people find you um, on the interwebs and elsewhere? And anything yeah. you want to plug real quick at the end before I ask you. The final question. The final question. Well, well uh, yeah, um, for sure. Um, you can find us at creationmusiccompany.com, um, which by the time this podcast drops, we'll have a whole new look. Um, and if you haven't been to our website in a while, you should definitely check it out. Uh, we're toying with a few ideas of possibly changing some things up as far as the way we do the website stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Possibly looking at doing... Kind of, uh, we, you know, we do a lot of DIY part supply which is what we actually did with the old boards. We, we sell those as kits now, and, and you can just modify whatever you want on them, but you can choose, like, assemble, pre-assemble, and all that stuff. But, but with that, with us doing more and more and more DIY supply and, like, supplying speaker cabinets to the industry, you know, doing a lot of cabs for other companies, we're considering possibly splitting the company into the same company, but into, like, two outlets, one that's more about our individual products and one that's more about, like, just generic parts. And it's more like a wholesale part supplier. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm doing that. If you listen to this podcast and you go to our site and it's not split up, we obviously chose <laughs> not to do that. Um, but anyway, so we're, we're looking at doing that. But obviously, you can find us at, at creationmusiccompany.com. It's all spelled out. It's a big, long name. And I wish I had just made it Creation Music Co. in the beginning. But I haven't, and we're sticking with it. So it's creationmusiccompany.com, <laughs> um, which will have a, uh, a, new, a new logo by the time this drops. I just... That's what Blake and I were talking about. As I sent it to him before this uh, podcast went, and we're gonna have a whole new look. Hopefully, um, tweaking the website, doing a lot more videos to explain things now that things have settled down, um, and stuff to look out for. Uh, we're gonna be doing a much bigger push on amps in 2017. Wow, that's weird to say. Is it 2017 already? Almost. 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 What the heck, man? 2016 was a roller coaster. We, I went. I walked. Winter Nam for the first time. We displayed it with a giant booth at Summer Nam for the first time. Like we did, we shared one booth last the previous year. This year we had two booths all to ourselves. Um, you know, we did that. We picked up a whole bunch of dealers. We released a bunch of products, and then we went through all the stuff we talked about earlier in the fall. So it's just like, man, 2017 has been a roller coaster. Not to mention uh, a lot of personal stuff about the t- about the time we got the uh, letter. Uh, my grandfather passed, and we had all sorts of other family stuff going on. So it's been a I'm ready. It's been a good year, but I'm also kind of ready for it to be over. So yeah, it's kind of crazy. 2017, though. Um, I know. It's. Anyway. It seems like what happened. It's crazy. Yeah. It's. So it's anyway. Nuts. Anyway, there's lots of new stuff coming out next year. Um, it's entirely possible that we might be uh, uh, doing some small stuff in the percussion industry. We'll see. Um, <laughs> drop that on you. Oh, this is news to me. Uh huh. For crying out loud. This has been something that's been in the works for, gosh, really since the beginning, three and a half years since the beginning of the company, I had this idea and I'm really, I wanted to do it this year and I'm really hoping I can do it early next year. And, you know, we should probably be noted that I think you talked about it on the last episode, but guitar is my (laughs) instrument. Yeah. yeah, No, not, not, not that specifically, but the fact that you're not just a guitar player. Yes. Well, and so just to clarify, I am not doing drum sets. Uh, that's, I think, a, a, a market that has plenty of people doing great stuff. I don't think I'm going to get into that ever. But um, percussion stuff, yeah, we should be doing some stuff, both percussion for guitar players to use as well as uh, some other stuff for percussionists to use. Um, things that are still somewhat within our wheelhouse as far as skill sets. But, yeah, um, that's new. That should be fun. Um that hour went by fast. I was actually trying to think about stuff to say. And so <laughs> maybe that's why I was extra long-winded tonight. I was like trying to get it all out of like cuz we canceled twice on this. And so I've had plenty of time to think about what I what I should say. This is your fault, Blake. I'm sorry. It's it's I'm a <laughs> terrible person. There's there is one thing though that that this is well, I'm going to hit you with the last question. I have to ask uh-huh. you this because this has sort of became become a thing. Um uh-huh. And and it wasn't a thing when you were on the first time, so I gotta ask now. Okay, uh, John, what is your favorite kind of pizza? Oh, oh, 
this is a loaded question, Blake. I don't know if I was prepared for this. Well, it uh, is heavy. We we get heavy on on this sometimes. Oh my goodness. Um, where to start? You know, as I've gotten older, I like a lot. It's more supreme versus just plain pepperoni. But let's be clear here. I used to work at California Pizza Kitchen when I was still in school, mm-hmm. and they we don't have them here in Oklahoma, and it makes me cry because it's one of my favorite restaurants, even though I worked at it. And they mm-hmm. have pizzas inspired by cultures all around the world. So I've been exposed to a lot of pizza, Blake. Um, <laughs> but, um, and you can't go wrong with barbecue chicken. But honestly, I think my favorite pizza, was, which is what I used to eat a lot when I worked there, is I made a custom one that you had to like combine other ingredients that were on the menu to make it. So they had a pizza that was a goat cheese pizza. And it had like some peppers and stuff like that. And then we would add like double applewood smoked bacon and mm-hmm. some other stuff on it. That was one of my favorites. Um, another one that's totally obscure is is a, a avocado club. Uh, so it's you take mozzarella and chicken, you bake it into a pizza, you put slices of tomato, you take lettuce mixed with mayonnaise, and put avocados on top of that. So it's like an open face BLT with pizza crust. Anyway, that I think man, that's hard. Probably the, the goat cheese. Probably the goat cheese with bacon. That was amazing. I, I can get on board with that. I can definitely get on board, get on board with that. Yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah. there's there's a million pizzas I'd be down to put down. But right. <laughs> um, there's very few just, that I I wouldn't eat. You know what's gonna happen though? I'm gonna get off this call and I'm gonna remember another pizza that I like more. And I'm like, dang it! I just told the whole world the wrong pizza. The whole that- world of like the few thousand people that listen to this. That's okay because I I record the in the outros and the intros separately, um, so like no, it's if done. You like, just, it's if done. It, it can't be changed. It, it I, can. I like it if you if you really feel in your heart of hearts that you have actually said the wrong pizza and you want to make it right, just shoot me a message and I'll I'll note it in the recording. Of but the who's outro. gonna give me back? Who's gonna give me back the sleep I will lose through tonight? When I'm with me trying to figure it out, like who's going to replace the sleep? Who, Blake? That, that's what that's I want. On, that's a, that's on you, John. I can't be. Don't you throw me in your sleep schedule now? I don't want to be interrupting your circadian you, rhythms. This is yeah. your deal. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm just going to go home and, like drink a bottle of Nyquil. <laughs> I don't I'm recommend just, that. I don't recommend kidding. it. You'll get you'll get those weird dreams. Yeah, weird you'll dreams. think you you'll think you own like a like a I don't know a parachute manufacturing company or something and it could end poor that we could do that i wonder if we could build that do you want the liability no of course not i don't want anything to do with legal <laughs> matters i've had my fill of lawyers <laughs> i recommend uh, staying out of the parachute business seems like there's a lot there, of liability there that seems like a really solid plan plan um oh my uh, gosh well we have officially hit it so we better wrap this thing up Sounds good. Blake, appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Anytime you want to have me back, I'll be happy to do it. Thanks for coming on, John. And uh, as always, folks, for John, this is Blake. Good luck and good tones. Wow. 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 Um, John was a guest on episode five. I did a little bit of digging, and yes, it's episode five. So we are knocking on the doorstep of episode 50. That is insane. So I know some of you have been around since the beginning. If this is your first episode, thank you very much. And we got almost 50 hours of uh, backlog for you to check out if if you so choose. But uh, for those of you that have been around for a while now, thank you so much. The support is incredible. Supporting these companies that come on the show is even more important. They are kind of what makes this whole gear nerd culture thing spin. So just drop them a line. Your favorite pedal board, pedal company, guitar company, amp company, whatever kind of music gear company, they want to hear from you. They didn't just start making this because they were going to get rich. They started making it so they could make a better product. So hit up your favorites. Tell them how much you like what they're doing And that's going to inspire them to keep doing what they do, which, let's be honest, we're all gear nerds. That's what we need. We need these guys to keep trucking along. So hit up your favorite gear company as soon as you can, 
and give them a like a digital high five. And uh, that's the best thing I can say. I'll talk to you next week. You guys have a good one. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is ToneMob.com Stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstreet as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out.